as a bloom Shoots up through the stony ground There's no room No space to rent in this town You're out of luck And the reason that you had to care The traffic is stuck And you're not moving anywhere You thought you'd found a friend To take you out of this place Someone you can lend a hand In return for grace It's a beautiful day Time for Glover's Golden Oldies. A look back at some of the Glover's heroes from recent years. Morning and welcome to Glover's Golden Oldies. And this week, I'm delighted to say we've caught up with Howard Forrington. Welcome to the show, Howard. Um, been a long time. How are things with you? Yeah, things are, are okay. Yeah, um, sort of busy uh, in a different way now from obviously the football. Obviously busy working. Yeah, um, still a still a teacher. Yeah, uh, up in Coventry, um, and also with a young family as well. So, well, youngish family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, of course, I met your son when you came to the uh, Man United Cup tie. Of course. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you did. Yeah. So, yeah, if, um, Alex is uh, coming up 12 and then there's Darcy, who she's uh, eight uh, this Sunday. So. Right, right. Fair enough. Yeah. So, um, so what we're going to do is just sort of talk through your career, really, but with as much emphasis as we can on Yeovil Town, because although, although you, you know, you're quite a hero at Yeovil, you, you've had an awful lot of other clubs as well. So <laughs> think back to when you first started playing football. I don't know how old you would have been, but I mean, you know, as a kid, I mean, now, I mean, what, what sort of uh, memories have you got of that? Just when you were getting into the conversation, we go and stop, because we're going to play the first of Howard's musical choices. And that is Karma Karma Chameleon by Boy George and Culture Club. No 
There you go, I bet that one takes you back a little bit. That's Boy George and Karma Chameleon. Good one. Yeah, where I brought up um, my parents' house, we um, we didn't live uh, probably a couple of hundred yards from the local sort of racing ground. Um, oh. And I used to sort of just sort of take myself off, really, back in the day when it was uh, safe to do so, I think, really, and uh, wandered off down to the park. And I just used to um, watch uh, some, some lads about two or three years older than me sort of football training um, in, in Grove obviously sort of near near Oxford where I sort of grew up and uh, I just remember every time that the ball went astray I'd run off and get it um, and bring it back to the coach and, and then just take my seat again and just watch what they were doing yeah. um, and eventually after quite a few weeks of that uh, obviously from my parents telling me uh, what happened was because everyone knew sort of people in the village um, the, the guys sort of said oh do you, do you fancy joining in one day and I was like what oh, yeah yeah so I, I just kind of ran home got, got some football boots and, and just joined in really and uh, just loved it didn't look back from there really um, like I said they were a couple of years older than me and just sort of had my own and things went on from there really um, a game was organised and you know, I just kind of sort of played from there, really, and that that was sort of my earliest memory, really, of football. Um, I just, you know, used to watch. Um, I, my parents knew the guy, the coach, and you know, he just said, "Oh, I fancy sort of joining." So I yeah. kind of went from there, really. Well, you must have created some sort of an impression if they were a couple of years older than you that that you kind of stayed doing that and and progressing. Yeah, I think it was sort of obviously in the day now. As my son plays now, and it, it tends to be you got to stick pretty much to an age group. But I think it was just pretty much back then you'd, you'd just play with anyone. But basically, really, um, you know, there was no real sort of safeguarding issue with size and age. I don't think. But um, yeah, I, th- I, I think I held my own. I think um, in that first season, I kind of I won most improved player. But I think that was more down to uh, probably um, my sort of enthusiasm and stuff like that because obviously being quite quite small I think it was only five at the time um, that the, the boys were a lot bigger and stronger than me but um, you know it was nice to get sort of recognition um, sort of back in the day and you know that was that was my first sort of trophy and it sort of started from there really More music now and we've got the Pet Shop Boys and West End Girl Yeah, Western town, a dead end world. The Eastern boys and West. 
we go that was the pet shop boys at west end girls well then you moved on to abingdon town and oxford city but it doesn't say how many times you paid for them was, was that very much um yeah i think it was a couple of seasons uh, uh was it? i think one season at abingdon town um a lot of us went there a lot of the apprentices who didn't get well none of us got taken on that year uh, we all kind of made the sort of sort of jump over to there um 
there was a manager whose whose son was a year above, and he, he kind of got into us, and we all went over there. Had a reasonable side, um, and then I did okay. I was I was playing, I think, right right midfield still at that age, um, sort of, or an attacking sort of midfielder position, um, and then went over just uh, not far away to Oxford City the following season um, and they sort of pushed me up into a more sort of forward role and it kind of just kind of went from there I mean the second season obviously I was through sort of from went to Yeovil that was my first season pretty much playing up front it was a strange transition if, if you know considering I've, I've not sort of played through my youth career at that in that position um, I've played at the top of the diamond in attacking formation but never you know, leading the front line really. So it was, you know, when I arrived at Yeovil in that January, I think I'd only been playing up front probably about five months. So. Time for some more music, and this time we've got Dire Straits and Brothers in Arms. <laughs> Covered mountains are home now for me, but my home is the lowlands, and always will be. Someday you'll return. Your valleys and your farms And you'll no longer burn to be brothers in arms Fields of destruction, baptisms of fire. I've witnessed your suffering as the battle reached high, and In the fear and the love You did not desert me My brothers and I Yeah. 
Classic track there from Dire Straits, Brothers in Arms. Wonderful song. Okay, so you, you pitch up at Yeovil in 1996 and make a pretty pretty startling um, impression, 23 goals from 21 games. Yeah, um, like I said, I'd had a good start that season at Oxford City. Um, it, it, there was a lot of talk of me going to a few clubs. Uh, Yeovil were the one with Graham Roberts, who um, you know really pursued it. Um, and obviously I spoke to him a couple of times on the phone and he sold the club to me. I sort of went up there, visited the ground, and once I'd seen Hewish, that for me that was the, the you know the the done deal basically. Um, and you know I was full of confidence scoring goals at Oxford, and luckily for me, obviously I carried on that season. Obviously with us winning promotion back into the conference. Was that the old Hewish ground? No, no, I've only ever played at the new one. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I, I, by all accounts, the old one, big sloping pitch, didn't it? But no, yeah. I never, never saw it. I've, I've sort of looked at it on again online and things, but not. Um, yeah, I, I never played there. No, right, okay. Um, so obviously, uh, as I say, you must have made an impression. I mean, what can you remember about Yeovil Town and your your memories of, of playing there? Oh, I mean, just uh, it, I, I, you know, I've, I look back on those sort of sh- few months with real fond memories. It was you know the the bit of my career that absolutely everything just seemed to, to go right. It was, you know, I actually did enter the field every time I sort of went to a game. I, I actually thought, you know, I felt very, very confident I was going to score. Um, often did. Uh, there were a couple of games where um, I didn't manage to score, but it, it was just one of those sort of spells that, like you say, that your confidence is just flowing through you. And obviously playing in such a great side, um, that made the job of putting it in the net a lot easier. But... Um, yeah, just full of confidence, really. Look back, really fondness with fond memories for those sort of four or five months that um, I was there in that first spell. Well, obviously, the fact that you scored 23 goals, it caught the attention of Trevor Francis at Birmingham City, didn't it? Well, it certainly did catch the eye of Trevor Francis, but we'll hear all about that after we've heard the next one of Howard's uh, musical choices, which is Unfinished Symphony by Massive Attack.
There we go, that was Massive Attack and Unfinished Symphony. One of those songs you keep hearing about, but you never know what it's called until you hear it. You think, ah, oh, that's that one. Yeah, um, obviously uh, there was talk of uh, Jerry Gill at the time. He was um, sort of in and out of the, the England indoor semi-pro side, and I think he went up to Birmingham for a trial. Um, and I, I, I was a bit I asked to go up there as well. Um, and I, I don't know if that, I don't know how, why that happened, whether they'd made their mind up about me, or it was just something that when they sort of like the look of Jerry Graham said, or you know they said what about this other lad I don't know I've never really sort of got to the bottom of how that came about really but um, yeah I heard it I think it was at, uh, I think it might have been Whiteleaf away I think after the game Barry Cotton and uh, Graham Roberts came up to me and just said uh, that Birmingham want to sign me and I just I was like yeah I couldn't believe it I was everything I'd ever wanted in my life was to become a professional footballer and uh, you know that was I think I was speechless I, I, I can't remember exactly whether my dad with me at that exact point but if, if he wasn't I'd just to run back to the car to tell him and yeah, I just I was just completely made up it was yeah an amazing feeling but obviously uh, you know in in stark reality you, you only made few appearances but you were Birmingham's reserve team top scorer yeah I think I think for the full I mean I think I was there for two and a half year or two and a bit years and for the two sort of seasons that I did you know full seasons I did play in the reserves I was yeah top scorer I mean again being totally honest as of it was probably because I made the most appearances as a striker um, you know, I was, you know, like I say, used very, very sparingly um, in the first team. Obviously, at that point, there was only uh, maybe, I think, three subs that you could use apart from FA Cup games where there was five. So it was a lot more difficult to get onto the bench in them days than it is now with, I think, about sort of six or seven subs. But um, it, it was hard work. Yeah, I was doing everything I could in the in the reserve side, sc- scoring regularly against good outfits as well. We played in the, you know, the Pontins League, which was Liverpool, Man United, Everton. You know, it was a, it was a strong, strong leagues we used to play in um, which was great experiences obviously playing away at uh, such big grounds and things with occasionally big attendances when um, you know one of their sort of star players was coming back from injury and uh, it, it was frustrating those sort of first years and um, you know I felt I was doing enough to warrant maybe sort of a bit more involvement um, in the sort of first team setup really but it, it never really materialised and you went there didn't you with with uh, Jerry Gill yes we did yeah we both signed yeah uh, we went up there um, and so it was good to sort of obviously to know someone from the over thing yeah the rest of the lads they were great settled in um, and that, that environment in a football sort of team it's it doesn't take long to sort of build up relationships and there's sort of much most days with each other um, you know all in the same boat and it, yeah you know you form friendships you know within weeks really it's, it's, yeah. it's a strange environment it's, it's different to anything I've ever known yeah alright time for the last of Howard's uh, musical selections and this last one is called Bittersweet Symphony and it's by the Verve.
Well, that was the Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve. If you wondered where you'd heard it before, it's, of course, the theme music to the ITV coverage of England international matches. A couple of lone moves, Plymouth and Blackpool, but then uh, a 275,000, no, 250,000 feet to yeah. move to uh, Peterborough United. Yeah, it was, um, like say, I'd, uh, they'd been, obviously, with uh, Barry's links to Birmingham. He still had a lot of friends there. Uh, they used to come and watch um, s- s- some a lot of reserve football there, but also to the first team games. And uh, it sort of materialised towards the end of um, the, the sort of previous season. I think it was '98, so sort of one that finished sort of around about the May '98. That um, one of his contacts that still sort of was within Birmingham uh, sort of came up to me and said that Barry's really interested in signing you. Um, don't sign at the deal at Birmingham, and he'll get you on a free. Um, and, 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 you know, he, he's really keen. And obviously, being sort of, I'd heard Barry's name sort of, you know, he signs quite a few players. Um, so, you know, with obviously the risk of not signing a new contract, at, at, you know, I've, I've not really been in the shop window that much. I'd had a promising uh, sort of loan move down to Plymouth, which I enjoyed. Um, and, you know, it, it was too much of a risk for me to sort of turn down the deal that they offered me um, at Birmingham in terms of like sort of financially and sort of length of contract. Um, so I couldn't sort of turn that down. But, yeah, it materialised that a few weeks or later than that, they'd put a bid in for me, um, got a phone call when I was shopping in Nottingham, I think, and Karen Brady um, sort of said, look, we've had a bid, we've accepted it. If you want to go to speak to them, then, you know, um, you know, here you go. Um, so I drove pretty much from Nottingham over to Peterborough that afternoon. And by the time I'd got home, I'd signed for Peterborough. Played on, uh, I think I was on the Thursday and I played on the, trained with him on the Friday and played on the Saturday. So yeah, very, moved very quickly. You played 50 games for them, uh, according to Wikipedia, and 10 goals. So, uh, you know, much more involvement for sure. That's near enough a season, isn't it? 50 games. Yeah, I think they were spread. I mean, again, I started really well first. first I think I scored, uh, I think I didn't score in the first game, but I think I scored about uh, seven in the first 12 games. <laughs> That's the only problem. I've got quite a uh, bad injury. Uh, was out for uh, about four weeks um, and then really kind of struggled for that the rest of that season in terms of fitness um, and other players were signed and again would get back fit for the following season um, out of following a, another injury a um, couple of operations and it, it, things got really really tough um, in terms of sort of trying to you know my sort of enthusiasm for the game was waning I just seemed to get injured and you know I, I wasn't enjoying it I was falling out of favourite Peterborough and you know it, it, I, I needed a change really and we agreed to sort of part company mutual agreement really yeah for yeah. the remaining time of my contract really yeah uh, we had some good times there and like I said it started well didn't um, just didn't sort of carry on really with the injuries what was Barry Fry like he's a bit of a character isn't he he is yeah I mean he was always you know I can never you know, I always take sort of says a fine and he was always um, you know honest with me that's all you ever want really in a manager yeah um, and you know the police sort of supported but I guess it's, it's difficult in terms of um, if you spent a lot of money on a player and they're not playing. Um, I guess they're not flavouring a month, and I got that impression that um, you know he, 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 he didn't fancy me anymore, and I, I needed to sort of further my career. I needed to sort of maybe potentially take a step back, or certainly try and get out the door and you know resurrect my career. Really, um, like I say, not sure the enthusiasm was necessarily you know I was as hungry for it before. I, you know with suffering from so many injuries it was it was quite tough to sort of 
keep going here. I think in two and a half years, I had about four operations, and you know, it was yeah. tough to sort of keep that resolve and that determination, I suppose. Absolutely. But then you ended up at Yeovil in 2002, which is where I came across you first. Um, 14 games there, four goals. Um, was it good to be back at Yeovil? Yeah, I was hoping that that was kind of going to sort of um, put me back, you know, and obviously have fond memories of that place before, and um kind of doing uh, sort of things like that that it was you know that would be the sort of catalyst to sort of make me I suppose fall back in love with the game get my passion back for it and um, you know hopefully um, you know sort of help them again to sort of which inevitably did happen but you know unfortunately I didn't manage to make it to the end of the season with another couple of ankle operations um, and and that to me was the sort of final straw with you know full-time football I'd, I'd gone back to to hopefully sort of you know push things on again and sort of potentially get back into the sort of professional game and it it, it just didn't happen really for me and and, and from that point on I, my sort of mind was made up that I needed to sort of pursue a different career really still play football and and eventually got my sort of passion for it back playing sort of you know semi-pro non-league again but it, it, it took a few years if I'll be honest with you mm, right um Okay, so looking at the, the, the list of clubs here, Stevenage, Borough, Oxford City. Well, then you had 23 games at Farnborough Town and 38 at Banbury United. So things presumably, although be it, you know, um, conference or non-league football, things were beginning to improve a little bit at that point. Yeah, I think it was, um, again, I, I'm not sure if it's my, you know, I seem to, at Birmingham, I, I was quite lucky with it I didn't suffer sort of many injuries and uh, sort of things like that it was um, I don't know if the the full time football training each day took its toll on me eventually Um, but obviously sort of I think bar bar Stevenage it was a couple of sort of days a week we'd train so um, a lot of the other lads had sort of jobs along with that so the stress on the body was I guess a little bit less and I, I seem to cope with it a, a lot better um yeah I had some uh, good times again uh, certainly scoring goals um sort of what would be I guess now sort of conference north and south level that sort of pit step of the pyramid mm. I scored quite regularly at that sort of level um certainly for the first sort of five or six years that I was at that stage um and then eventually put myself back in through sort of into education funded that myself and um you know fell into the role of a uh, PE teacher really um and you know it was it kind of it kind of works out well sort of playing alongside sort of studying and things like that so no it was uh, you know that's when I started to enjoy my football again really um and it, it sort of kind of got my sort of love for it back really were you kind of aware of the the way the Yeovil Town fans in particular held you in high esteem I mean you were very much you know one of the heroes of the side at the time and you know everybody I speak to, oh yeah Howard Forrington he was brilliant you know um, did you realise that did you you know they no I, I guess sort of coming such a not I wouldn't say I was young but sort of I guess in my eyes I was inexperienced about it I mean obviously I did you know hear the songs from the terrace and things like that which was which was brilliant but I mean they, they we had, we had songs about sort of lots of players and um I guess in all honesty I wasn't there that that first stint went long enough for, to, to really really appreciate uh, you know that that sort of feeling I've had I mean I've had sort of since I've been back there a few times you know that people but they, to me it's that sort of club it's such a friendly welcoming club and you know the fact that you've played for them but you know, I guess looking back, yeah, I, I did a little bit, but at the time, certainly no, not mm. really, no. I just turned up, did what I, you know, um, you know, a lot of people would go out after on the Saturdays to games into Yeovil, whereas I'd, I'd sort of take myself back up off home or back to Bristol and stuff, you know, had friends yeah, and stuff yeah. there. So I never really um, kind of, I just sort of came, did my bit and went really. So, yeah. you know, not until you've sort of left 
did you sort of realise, you know, how that sort of relationship, you know, mm. was, I suppose. Yeah. And then it looks as though, looking at the list here, as though you had a bit of a love affair with Banbury because you've got one, two, yeah, three, um, four Kevin occasions Fox, you've gone Kevin back there. there. Um, a good ex-pro, Oxford, Newcastle. Um, and again, his philosophy on football was, was very much sort of, you know, mine. He, it would be that the, the lads sort of, you know, would work all day. To, you know, some of them do real hard manual jobs, and just the training and the the style of football was just real. It was you know proper football. Get the ball down, pass it, get the ball out wide, cross the ball in the box, and you know it was it was made for me really. Mm. Um, I did get obviously I went to a couple of clubs in between. I think Hales Owen in between a couple of stints there, um, who were a you know ambitious club at that level. But again, the style of football was a bit sort of. Hoof it and chase it, and it it didn't really suit me. So yeah, Bambi was sort of one that again I have a great relationship with the fans sort of there, um, and I really enjoyed my three or four spells with Bambi, sort of the different managers, eventually sort of as a sort of player coach role initially. Yeah. Um, after a while, but yeah, it was and Kevin Brock was the main reason for that. He was um, played some great stuff, great style of football, and, and he was the one I think. It really got me back, sort of enjoying my football. Just his sort of, you know, take on football that, you know, it was really important. But you know, it, about the training and the evenings after a long day at work, it was all about having fun. But you know, I think I was just, you know, one, certainly, you know, one of the most more enjoyable sort of periods in my career. Yeah. Wasn't he at Birmingham, Kevin Brock? Uh, I'm not sure. I know he was certainly Oxford. He was an Oxford lad, and uh, well, sort of that way. He was part of the team that won the Milk Cup in '85, I think. Yeah. And then uh, I know he went up to Newcastle for a long time. Ah, then that's it, Newcastle. That's, that's, Diamonds. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking of, Newcastle. Newcastle. Yeah, he, was down, yeah. Yeah, he went up to Newcastle with um, took him up there, but um, yeah. So he, you know, he'd been round. He'd, he'd done a, you know, a good. Uh, so he knew the game inside out, and you know, some of the things you know that we used to do at training. Great, great fun. Just had a great sort of outlook on the game, and got me back sort of enjoying my football. Really, so really shouldn't have left really but um, you know it, it's, it's difficult sometimes when people throw silly money at it really and you yeah yeah so but yeah those are the things you know kind of you look back on and think yeah not one of my better sort of sort of ideas really but <laughs> so now during that time you seem to flirt with player coach manager type situations do you do you not really ever get into the uh, to the the you know cut and thrust to be the manager um, I, I, I kind of um, initially, like I say, yeah, the sort of playing manager role was sort of the ones that I, I, I was really interested. In. I'd, I'd playing was my, I'd, I mean, I did, I did, you know, think about sort of becoming a manager, and obviously I had a, a short, very unsuccessful spell at Woodford. Um, but I mean, not. <laughs> uh, I don't want to, you know. But it, financially, things were, which is the reason it was so short-lived. But mm. the club were in a real state at the time, and. Uh, we were promised, you know, if I was to take the job uh, at a certain budget, which, you know, never really materialised. We signed uh, players that have, you know, we're going to demand a reasonable amount of money each week that we, we fitted into the budget. Um, and uh, as soon as we got like a decent sort of 15 lads together, which took, you know, a couple of weeks, three or four weeks, and was constantly on the phone, phoning people I knew through the games, come and help us out for a three or four weeks till we got, you know, some permanent players in and promised them, you know, X, Y, and Z. Nothing silly, but, you know, well within the budget. Um, and obviously the first couple of, well, first week they were there, before that, that Saturday game, we were told that the, that, that budget wasn't, you know, wasn't going to happen anymore. 
so I had to then make a lot of sort of phone calls saying to him, lads, it's, it, you know, it's, it's not going to happen. Don't, you know, some mm, had mm. sort of left clubs previously. It was, you know, that, that really was a, a foolish move, really, getting involved with a club that, you know, with a reputation around the local area of somewhere that's, you know, as, as, as previously sort of done that, you know, when they've been safe before in a league position, the, the budget's been cut and things like that. And that's not, you know, my first experience of sort of management on my own wasn't a good one. And, you know, from that point on, it, it was, you know, it, it really did sort of leave a sad taste in my mouth. And I just thought, nah, that's, I, I don't want any of that. If someone, you know, mm. someone's given me their word that they're going to, you know, give you this much money each week to spend, it's, you know, and they go back on that. It was, you know, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm sure it would have been different and had things sort of been a bit more, you know, honest at the start with a different club then it, it, things may have turned out different because I still felt I had a lot to offer the game uh, with my experiences and you know the tact- I do enjoy the tactical side of, of of football and sort of you know the outwitting opponents sort of side of it and sort of trying to pit your wits against someone else but that first um, experience you know left such a sour taste that you know it, it, it was not something I was going to pursue again really so now we come to Howard Forrington now, a teacher uh, in Coventry, yeah? Yes, yeah, yes. The, uh, the same school, yeah, I've been there. I think it's my 13th year now, yeah. So uh, initially, yeah, retrained. Uh, another, so I say, I think if I hadn't become a footballer, it was quite possibly a PE teacher or um, physio that, you know, that was something that I've always kind of wanted to do. Um, I've sort of, re- I've, I've, yeah, so 12 years head of PE at a school. Uh, tough school in Coventry, but the kids, like I say, love their football, love their sport. Um, and, you know, you feel like you're kind of making a difference most days, even though, you know, you pull your hair out probably for half of them. Um, on the whole, yeah, I love my job. And I've currently this year taken um, over as head of year 11. So um, a, a challenging role. Just want to put them through their final year of their studies at that age, uh, culminating in their GCSE. So it's, you know, high pressure, similar to football, but in a, a different way. And are they aware of your background, football-wise, I mean? Uh, s- some, not not many now. When obviously, when, uh, years ago, um, it was... A little bit more common knowledge. I used to still play football. Um, occasionally, I'd sort of, you know, join in the you odd know, sort of kick around on the field with the lads. And obviously, I could see I was an all right player. Um, but I still enjoy now taking the sort of the older sides in our sort of cup fixtures and sort of school fixtures. So I kind of get my football fix from obviously taking the the older lads at school, and obviously uh, my son as well, who's uh, playing football. Well, all sorts of sports, but yeah, he loves his football too. Good. Well, look, we were talking about some music just now, and we, as you know, we've been playing some tracks of your your favourite tracks through the through the interview. Um, but you were saying you wanted to, to mention a few things about the choices. So let's start with Boy George and Kama Camellia. What what's so significant about that? Well, I mean, it, it, like I say, it's a strange old choice. I just, um, it, but it was the first song I kind of really remember. It was the first song song I ever bought um, back in the day, uh, and I, I I just used to remember me and my friends sat on a, a wall. Obviously, when we were young, I think it was probably uh, 10, 11, something like that. And all we used to do was just get in and just either his or mine, just, just play this song. Yeah. Um, one I really remember from sort of my introduction to music, really, apart from listening to my sister's sort of songs through the wall at mm. home, it was the first sort of taste of my own music that, you know, I, I kind of got liked and, and then went out and bought. And then you got Pet Shop Boys, West End Girls, and Dire Straits Brothers in Arms. What about those two? Just just memorable songs that you always remember. Yeah, just 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 memorable. Like I say, I was a big Pet, uh, Pet Shop Boys fan, and 
I think that was my favourite track that they did. I kind of, you know, grew up through my sort of early teens, really listening to a lot of Pet Shop Boys and the sort of, mm. the, you know, the sort of friendship group had those. And again, like Dire Straits, um, I think that was potentially possibly a, a similar time, really, to Karma Chameleon. The fact that car journeys with my parents, um, Dad was a big uh, Brothers in, uh, uh, sorry, Dire Straits fan. And again, that the one song that I always remember, the guitar yeah. riffs, you know, sort of on there and the, the, the tunes with that. And yeah, that's something that sticks in my mind, again, from sort of childhood, really, I guess. Well, you, you talk about Cabo Camellia and Pet Shop Boys, as though it's a crime. I mean, I like the Pet Shop Boys as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, I just, you know, like I say, I guess from our conversation pretty sort of earlier, if I was to sort of mention a couple of these bands to sort of some of the students at school one, they, they wouldn't have a clue who they were. And, yeah. Uh, if yeah. they did, um, yeah, I certainly wouldn't probably be flavoured a month and I'd have a bit of Mickey taken, I guess. But uh, You can cope with it, mate. <laughs> well, look, thank you ever so much, Howard, for, for being uh, on the show. Really appreciate it. Um, I hope it's sort of rekindled your memories of Yeovil Town and make sure you come and see us again as soon as you can when you're down this way and I'm sure you'll get a good welcome. Yeah, I will do. Lovely. Thanks for your time as well. I know. I've no. enjoyed it. Thanks. And I, like, I always look out for the fixtures and stuff and the results and uh, to see how they're getting on and uh, hopefully... Um, there can be a swift return sort of to the football league yeah I hope so anyway well good that's great Howard thanks ever so much mate. Cheers, appreciate mate. your time well that was former striker Howard Forrington joining us tonight on the Glover's Golden Oldie Show next up is the Glover's Inquisition on Wednesday night followed by football on Saturday so please keep listening to Three Valleys Radio Radio coverage. Oh, what a shot that is! Of Yeovil Town Football Club, direct from Hewitt Park.